In a shocking ideological flip-flop, many anti-maskers may be embracing the concept of being cucked by cloth in light of a burgeoning conspiracy claiming vaccinated individuals shed certain proteins onto the unvaccinated, resulting in the prick-averse suffering adverse effects. Chief amongst these concerns is the shedding purportedly causing irregular menstruation, infertility, and miscarriages. This baseless claim is a key cog in a larger conspiracy alleging COVID-19 is a ploy to depopulate the planet, and the vaccine is what will cull the masses. So imagine the Left Behind series after a torrid affair with a Dan Brown novel. But what I will say is this. Having seen many key members of this movement, I would assert that consistently wearing facial coverings will unequivocally increase their chances of conception. Well, if you wanted honesty, you have come to the wrong place. This is the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. And we are joined by a very special listener slash inducted co-host for the evening, super fan Stephen. Say hello to everyone. Hello, everybody. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you because uh, officially this now covers, you know, you'll be the one person listening to uh, the episode while you're on the episode and it'll be great. <laughs> I was Very say, meta for you, I'm sure. Courtney was a listener and is now a co-host and now I'm here. Who else is listening to the shows? <laughs> well, hopefully uh, you really like the sound of your own voice and you listen to the episode 20 times in a row <laughs> on the first week. I mean, uh, okay, Dewan will best. still be listening because I, I love him and he it's- knows it. Well, one, another shameless plug, if you're not listening to Country Brothers, you should. You're doing something um, wrong. Secondarily, Dewan texted me earlier this week about last week's episode. Did he now? He did. He said, I liked the last episode. It's more enjoyable to listen to you, or it was more enjoyable to listen to when y'all aren't mean to each other. Tell the homie Shane that the Hiroshima jokes were hilarious. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> It's official. I've been certified funny by Dewan, so I am uh, I'm taking myself off of check from this point forward. He, he may not uh, come out of the womb cool, but once Dewan says you're cool, that's 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 for life. Uh, I've never been more flattered in the entirety of my existence. So thank you, Dewan. I owe you a big sloppy milker at some point <laughs> later on. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So uh, John has apparently got some some Cliff's notes that he would like to dive into. But firstly, I have to take a moment and say, Courtney, I I have a bone to pick with you. And not one regarding my typical bone-picking preferences from Instagram. (laughs) All right, shoot. Um, So in the course of prepping the playlist and getting myself ready um, after we did our intro last the week before last, technically, uh, I started listening to Ashniko. (laughs) <laughs> and i i have a a really difficult addiction yeah yeah john you don't she exposed you to it so i no, mean she didn't, didn't we, we arrived at the same point together yeah well you didn't put it on a playlist and force me to listen to it 
<laughs> now I say that because no, I you sh- put it. I know you put it on the damn playlist. I don't listen to that shit. No. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a lame band. Why would you listen to anything they have to say? No, motherfucker. Oof. I put it. I put one of her music videos on in the background while we were setting up in in this studio. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, the reason I have a bone of contention is not only is deal with it incredibly intoxicating to the ears. Oh yeah. I had to show the video to Stephen because the <laughs> the tentacle nipples. <laughs> have caused me to have you know a a new sort of degradation in uh, what is bound to be my pornographic searches from this point forward because i so, didn't know tentacle porn was something that would actually get me eventually but now i'm like you know what oh, no. yo, well, this is oh, tasty no. melissa forgive me the tentacle chooses the shame indeed <laughs> i'm a little wrapped up in it is all i'm saying and man do those things suck I didn't think that we were going to get to one of my notes so quickly, but you really, uh, you really <laughs> tossed this for me. <laughs> I'm, uh, oh, no. I'm good like that. So, I'm yeah, con- Stephen, I'm sorry that I had to expose you to Ash Nico. <laughs> it was an experience, I will say. I mean, squids and octopi are my favorite animals, but that was an unexpected turn of events. <laughs> <laughs> what happens next may surprise you. <laughs> hey, John, should we make Shane watch the first episode of Food Wars? Oh, we so <laughs> okay. I'm terrified. Next time we're all here in person, before you leave, we are watching a 30 minute episode of an anime. And I don't even think it's that long. Oh, 20, no. oh yeah. So it's 30 if you have ads. Oh. Like 22 minutes. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, YouTube elitist over here. Yeah. Every day we fall a little farther from Quab's Grace. Thank and you. And we've talked about this uh, multiple times. Uh, and we've also talked about how you don't know you have a line until it gets crossed. Um, I wrote a song so, about that some time ago, actually. So, sorry, Melissa. I was watching porn. And <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. And it was it was all well and fine. It was some pretty pretty tame stuff. Girls on her, her knees. She's filleting the gentleman. And then he reaches down and he grabs her face, squeezes her mouth open, and he hard spits into her mouth. And I have never been more disgusted in my life. That it was a weird line cross for me, and I just thought I would share that with you. Don't pretend like this is the first time you've encountered that, friend. It's not the first time, but it's the first time in a good long while because I don't go out of my way to try and find it. I was going to say, the only time that should really make you that disgusted is if he's spitting with his butthole. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen. <laughs> so um, I've mentioned previously, I don't think I've actually said it on the podcast proper, but I have gotten somewhat attached to Uncle Roger these days. And it has started to permeate my life. And so the sorry children is something that I feel like I want to start incorporating into the show whenever I go off the rails as per usual. So, yeah, I think that's going to become a bit that I steal. I've co-opted your small bow at work. Thank you. I, you mentioned that it's uh, it's gaining in popularity. It's a, it's a hit with the idiots. So, <laughs> As am I. But, uh, yeah, so now instead of sorry children, though, it's going to be sorry, Stephen. Anytime Sorry, we get Stephen. risque, Sorry, uh, Melissa knows me, and uh, she's you know prepared for the crises that uh, is going to meet her when she listens to this show. By yeah, the way, guess, she I also guess... uh, I'm sorry, John. I'm no, just no, no. Keep you're talking you're over fine, you. Uh, she sang your praises for the uh, the purity culture episode again, Courtney. So we're just <laughs> going to keep gonna telling you. Go, are you? <laughs> no, uh, there it's it's a lot of people were very impressed, and we have one of them on the line. So I'm going to make Stephen uh, give us his uh, feedback. But John, you had some. Thing you were going to say. 
Oh no, I, it wasn't productive as usual. <laughs> I was gonna, I think I was going to say something to the effect of I didn't trigger warning Stephen in case uh, it was a triggering event. And okay, I, sh- I sh- probably should have done that because I, I I feel like I know Stephen, but I, I don't <laughs> at all. <laughs> he knows a lot more about me than I know about him at this it's point. A very fine point. I just know Accurate. that he is a lovely coworker from from what you've said. So mm-hmm. oh. yes. Mm. He's a marvelous man, that Stephen. Uh, so yeah, Stephen, uh, tell Courtney what you uh, felt about uh, because you did point out that she got you real good with a lie, even though you were familiar with the source material. It was so my issue. It's not an issue. It's I get too <laughs> entertained with the show, and I forget that I'm supposed to be picking out lies. So at one point, you mentioned um, the book that josh harris wrote and uh-huh. i was like she got the name wrong how could she get the name wrong she got the author right <laughs> what, what's up with this? He's like, i know the book it's it's oh yeah it's very infamous shall we say yes <laughs> like courtney you're a horrible researcher <laughs> so my He's brain not did not automatically click, oh she's lying obviously it's the point of the whole podcast nope nope my brain's like why did she get it wrong? What's what's going on here? <laughs> but yes, I was raised very much uh, in that it. whole oeuvre of purity culture. I even had my own purity ring back in the day. Oh wow! Yeah. You were also homeschooled, right? Yes, yes, I was. Yeah, I'm sure we could we could talk. About I was homeschooled uh, K through 12, baby. Oh boy, I, I escaped for the last two years. I went to a very <laughs> Very tiny charter school, so I did have some exposure to, you know, actual humanity, but it was fairly <laughs> limited. Uh, though I will probably say the two of you actually probably had sex before I did, so. <laughs> if you care to disclose, we can just settle this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Steven's going to be tickled by that one. Sorry. Uh... <laughs> I said if you care to disclose. If you don't, that's entirely your business. <laughs> yeah, please tap out. <laughs> 18. Yeah, well before me. <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't technically like uh, officially really kiss kiss somebody until I was 17. Okay. I mean There's a story for you. I was waiting for my high school girlfriend uh and she, she we, she'd made a big thing of it. And have I I told you this story before, didn't I, John? I don't think so. So I went back to go to her senior prom. While I was uh, also a, a senior and we'd kind of had this whole thing building up, we'd really technically been like sweet on each other since we were 15. And so I go back and I go to the dance. I see all of my old friends. It was a really weird, emotional kind of roller coaster of a weekend for me. And uh, so I walk her up to her door after the dance and the first kiss is going to happen. And I've waited all this time and I've made this big deal. And she uh, she kissed me like a corpse. <laughs> She didn't use corpse kiss. She didn't use her lips at all. It was as though they were like spot welded to her teeth. So she kissed me with her teeth. She just oh. ground her face into my face, Maybe. and uh, I I was officially disgusted. And I went, I am so glad that I didn't marry this person uh, because I can only or- imagine what the sex would have been like. Or maybe that was like her version of like the poop hole loophole, but with kissing. You know, like if she kissed you with her teeth instead of her lips, that didn't really count. Man, I hope not. Oh, you are Catholic. My first two boyfriends were Catholic, and that's like right on, right on there's, target. There's a lot of things you can sneak by God. Apparently, he's that's, not very observant. That's true. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of priests that have been practicing that principle for quite some time. Yeah, 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 that's what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> 
Well, I'm just gonna watch Steven be mortified this entire episode. So he's uh, uh he's he's Job uh, Bluth right now, just going. I have made a serious mistake. <laughs> this was a bad call. Um, I there want was... more first kiss stories now. <laughs> kiss me. What? Oh my gosh. Um, Michael, you still haven't been kissed, right? <laughs> Your Not mom legally. doesn't count. <laughs> Does your mom count, though? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. I want to make sure I'm still charting numbers. Well, she was wearing a sheet, uh, a dental dam, uh, so it doesn't really count like, what, there. What, were you at a clan rally? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I also had a thought, and it, uh, it hit me upside the head last night because I was watching Insidious Chapter 2, which Shane had loaned me. Mm-hmm. Um, and wait, wait, wait. God, you actually watched a- something Shane loaned you? You didn't return it to unwatched and unread? Uh, Yeah. Yep, yeah. I'm I'm almost done with it, too. And then I have to watch Tusk again. Um, (laughs) But I keep thinking about Courtney and how she's been dipping her toes into horror. And I think I have an experiment. And if she would like to partake, it'd be a lot of fun. There is a podcast on Gimlet called The Scaredy Cats Horror Show. And it is one host who is just a huge fan of scary movies. And one who cannot handle them at all. And it's five episodes. Uh, one movie, or one of them has two uh, per episode. So I think, one, Courtney, you should just listen to that podcast. And two, if you want to watch the movies on that podcast, you can come over and we'll keep all the lights on. And you <laughs> can, can I hold it, all the dogs? And you can hold all the dogs. Would you stop propositioning our co-host, please? Uh, nope. <laughs> well, because Shane, you'll be tickled by this. Maybe Stephen too. I'm not sure. I'm how not you propositioning her either. Scary movies. <laughs> uh, but the the movies in question uh, would be The Exorcist, A Nightmare on Elm Street, <gasps> Alien, Ooh. Hereditary, and Midsummer, and oh, then God. Get Out. Okay. Oh, I've seen Get Out. Okay, so you're you're already one off the list. Yeah, uh, it's uh, Michael's autobiography, right? <laughs> if I, if no, I had a nickel every time I heard that. Get out of me, I'm going to throw up, yes. But anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up, and you can you know, let that marinate, if you will. And... I think I actually heard the first episode of the about, um, from that podcast. I Ooh. think, are they related at all to the Reply All podcast? They are. It's the, it's the host of Reply All. Perfect. I So I listened to the first one, and I was like, I kind of want to watch The Exorcist, but I'm really afraid. The thing is that it's a lot more fun to watch movies like that with friends, mm. or in the, in the theater, and that's... I think I was thinking of it because I was watching Insidious Chapter 2, and in the back of my head, I was like, I remember liking this in the theater. And <laughs> right now, everything is falling flat for me. Like, I authentically, I have 30 minutes left, and I was just cackling at how poorly written this, the, the movie is. Mm. Um, but I was like, well, in the theater, it was fun because, you know, you have everyone screaming at things that you don't scream at, or, you know, mm. the comedic bits that are supposed <laughs> to be funny that I don't think are funny. Like, you're getting cues from other people that, you know, it was intended to be funny. I don't know. Yeah, it it plays a little differently, but yeah, um, Insidious, the franchise in general, is definitely the law of diminishing returns for me, personally. Yeah. But, uh, speaking of uh, podcasts that we adore that John is, is proselytizing, I stole something from you last week when we were recording, and I have completed it. So uh, I officially made it through the last book on the left, and I was <gasps> very tickled by it. So you ended up liking it at the end, huh? Uh, I liked it the whole time. I just uh, started skipping over the uh, the bad the commentary at yeah. certain points. But, uh, I mean, they're funny. There were some bits that were really fantastic. But uh, it was a nice refresher. I had 
actually read full books on the bulk of the individuals contained in there, so it was kind I of figured. like a Cliff's Notes of things for me. But, but the uh, illustrations are worth it alone, I think. The Russian gentleman whose name I'm just going to be uh, completely Barkowitz? skipping, spacing on. No, no he's Russian. the second to the last one in the book, so I don't think you would have read it yet either. But I haven't, no. <laughs> He's, he actually killed like 50 people over um, oh, just? in Russia and uh, cannibalized a few of them. Yeah, he okay. was pretty disturbing, I, I will admit. But uh, So thank you for letting me steal that, and I, I might just have to take Raven with me next time. Uh, yeah, I bet you'll finish it in a week. I, I tend to—it's uh, weird that that spurs me to start reading again because I had gotten kind of like— disenfranchised for a bit and wasn't really into it then i'm like oh yeah serial killers i'll, I'll read this again I'm, I'm back at it i would i would almost say that instead of borrowing raven that you should just take the fact that you liked the last book on the left and then listen to the five-part series they did on jonestown because that was their uh their party if you will for hitting episode 300 okay and it is a very well produced geez what is it almost eight or ten hours on jonestown okay well um, color me intrigued and I think that uh, I haven't. I think I've listened. I think I've re-listened to those those episodes maybe three or four times, and it's why I bought Raven because that's what they used for most of the research. Uh, might be worth a worth a check. Also, if there's another thing to get you into Last Pod outside of the book, it would be their JFK conspiracy series. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm intrigued enough, and I think uh, their research seems sound. If you so, can just get past uh, Henry Zabrowski, I don't think you'd like him. But uh, both of the other co-hosts, I think, are your speed. I mean, there's a lot of uh, WWE references, though. That is Ben so. Kissel, who you are going yeah. to know and love uh, soon. I'm sure. Well, and then, uh, so Henry's the Satanist, yes. yeah? Uh, I actually enjoyed his his jokes more than uh, Kissel's um, in, in he many is, So He is the voice actor in the uh, in the podcast. So when there are oh, characters, there's a lot of characters. Like, he'll do quotations, and he'll read the quotations, and he'll make the characters. So... So what you're saying is I won't like the Shane of their That's podcast. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> we do tend to eschew our own. There can only be yeah. one. Um, but yeah, the only other thing that I had for you guys, and then I then my list is all depleted, because usually I don't come in with a list written out, but I wanted to make sure that I remembered things, um, is that Shane and I played a gig over the weekend up north, and it was our first time going up north uh, for a show Ooh. in a very, very long time. Even pre-COVID, we hadn't been up in a minute. Um, Indeed, and we had a glorious co-host with us as well. So bless you, Michael, for making yes. the trek. It yeah, was almost, worth it. You were very affectionate by the end of that show. <laughs> you were shost. Yes, you said I, you loved me. I did. You did, and then you touched my nipple. <laughs> I think that last part was a fabrication. It I don't was know. My cock. Yeah, Mike, uh, Michael, and I were having sex while <laughs> that was. Yeah, so I, I couldn't, I couldn't be touching your nipple when I was fucking Shane. So, <laughs> uh, you could be. I need both hands. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? Okay. Anyway, so it was. Are you Are you all right there? I'm leaving. I'm going back into the closet. <laughs> don't leave Courtney me does. here alone. <laughs> <laughs> Save me. So. We finished up the gig. Uh, I drove up. like we, we took my my vehicle, and I agreed to drive up. Shane agreed to be the DD and drive back down uh, so that you know the folks that imbibed could enjoy themselves. And also, I was I was pretty tired. Well, I think I was really haggard when I showed up to Shane's house uh, to pick them up. Anyway, 
Neither here nor there. And the show wasn't exactly the easiest thing to, to nail the dismount on. At either. the end that of the day, it was affair. fun, but it was another like trial by fire moment where you're figuring things out in real time and you're almost failing constantly. Um, yep. I honestly but, thought at one point you were going to start fighting some person that was like asking you a question between sets. Oh, is <laughs> the uh, Taylor guitar yeah. guy? I just see John Taylor leaning forward and just like saying into the mic, "Yeah, we're damn the weather." Instead of like talking to the guy, you were just answering into the mic. <laughs> uh, Shane, uh, being my my constant friend and lover, um, I think he saw what almost was returned to piss drunk Irish John without me being drunk or even having a sip of alcohol because I was leaning into Shane being like I think I'm gonna fucking kill one of these guys yeah. there's you and I were both on the verge of you were gonna turn into mustache again and I was gonna turn back into like um uh Payson Shane where I will recommend to the audience they shut their fucking mouth or I'll curb stomp them. I so. would have laughed so hard if you did that the funniest, the funniest thing is, and I'm not even, I'm not even, I haven't even gotten to my note. It's just the the preamble to the note here. Um, gosh, <laughs> Becky or my wife Becky, she came up with us too, and she had a very astute observation, and it's something that I think Sam, Shane, and I are pretty blind to now because you get used to it. But especially when mm. we've played up north, there is always uh, the same. It's the same story every time you show up. And everybody in the vicinity is giving you a look of, did you fuck my fucking mom last night? Or did you, did you kill my cat? And like these people, like the town folk generally do not like us on appearance alone at all. And then, yeah, they look at us the way that people looked at Ed Gein and playing field. <laughs> yeah. Like that's kind of the general, uh, you know, ambiance. Yeah, and then. We start playing a few songs, and then by the end of set one, they want us to marry their daughter. <laughs> and Becky was Becky made a comment because she was walking back to the car with me to grab some uh, some equipment. She goes, "I was not aware that I fucked their dad so hard <laughs> behind their back." <laughs> like she she's uh, she just brought it to to my attention again. I just think it's hilarious every time. But anyway, yeah, they don't like the city folk. They do there. not. We finished the show. We uh, we have some friends up north, and they they were there, and they convinced us to head to a bar uh, to have one drink before we headed headed back down the mountain. Um, and Shane obliged, and he took us to the only late late night bar uh, in Cottonwood. And what is it like? 11, 10, 11 maybe? No, it was like ten o'clock. It was, it was relatively early. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was like maybe ten twenty, I think, when we got when there. we get in. They didn't warn us. They're playing. It's bingo night. <laughs> Hell yeah. I have never played Living bingo since I've been an adult. Like you I've never played bingo to, like, for bingo stakes. After dark at the casino? No. Oh, that's really fun. So Yeah, no, I, I I've had sex before. I don't need Yeah, but to, have you, you won three hundred dollars while having sex? Yes, actually. Yeah, because he's getting it's a paid. strange story. Uh, so anyway, Taiwan's a weird country. Uh, so we, we all sit down and one the, the funniest thing is the people that invited us to come sit down. Uh, and have a drink with them, had a booth to themselves with literally no room for us. And they're like, come bring a table. And mm -hmm. I was like, we're not going to be the assholes that are moving tables around. We're just going to sit down. We're going to have a drink and we're going to enjoy each other's company. And then we're just going to fuck off. Uh, mm -hmm. But Becky and Sam decide that we're all going to play bingo. <laughs> nice. Oh, it gets better. So we sit down and it is just, it's like 
it's like there was a Karen facility that was like right down the street and they were just pumping out Karens left and right for this bingo night because it was every shade of Karen sitting at a long, long table. What, like 25 uh, uh-huh. mothers and daughters? It looked like a wedding party, basically. Yeah. They were basically just licking things off the table saying, COVID what? Um, and, and the gal who was running bingo actually was the shit she was awesome yes. what she kept calling anything with a six was sex oh so she's like i got so it. it's 63 oh, oh 63 I sex <laughs> um i don't know what well, i think we ordered around sat down and that was about like five minutes three minutes later sam camacho camacho <laughs> camacho her best raspy voice This bitch won. She got that bingo. She won what, like a hundred and twenty dollars, one hundred and sixty. Uh, it was like a hundred and fifteen or something. I think is what she got. That yeah. was the number one. Prize. She got the grand the prize of the evening. Whoa! Jeez. And if you thought that uh, you know up north folk hated us city folk, <laughs> just it, oh my god, we. Yeah, the confirmation was definite and immediate. Yeah, yeah, you just, like, reinforced that the Democrats are stealing from the conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And then what made it even better is that uh, I won yes, that... immediately after. <laughs> but what did you win, Shane? I got a pair of sunglasses I left in John's car that I desperately... And they are Tito's oh, sunglasses. Oh, very nice. Yes. That goes right with your Make aesthetic. my mother proud. <laughs> yes, yes. So I'll be, uh, you know bringing those back with me. But I also discovered something on the ride back. Uh, I finally discovered what our demographic is. Okay. Because you've never heard a human being laugh so hard at me saying, welcome back to the disinformed podcast on the tubes of you than John's wife. <laughs> Becky lost her shit. She was very, she's very like, tickled. tubes of you. So she was really uh, either really drunk or I'm really funny. I think it was a mixture of both. I, um, <laughs> yeah. Also, she can't hang. Um, we, we talked, I think, was it last? Yeah, we talked last week about the, the shit that you do to your body uh, when you're just a busy day on, you know, on the road. So we stopped uh-huh. at uh, the McDonald's right off of Camp Verde. Uh, oh, like, man. And there's a story. At like 1130. Um, oh, yeah. Um, at 1130, and we got the, the 40 nugget, four medium <laughs> oh fries so box. Allow me to uh, to illustrate this, and then I'll let you continue, John, because this I feel like this is a story in and of itself. So I told John I was uh, I would partake of the food, but I didn't want to order it. So if we're going to go to McDonald's, like someone else needs to order the food. Yes. We pull up to the thing, and then an immediate discussion begins as to what food we're getting. And Sam is her usual just shit-faced. And Becky is is a little tingly. And John's, you know, doing pretty oh, well. Oh, yeah, I was fine. Right, I, the most if part. I wasn't yeah, exhausted, you know. I would have been totally good to just... Yeah, so uh, everyone's calling out different nuggets, and it just so happens, as I told Stephen uh, as we were cruising to snag dinner, they have a, a a meal that has 40 chicken nuggets and four medium fries. And so everyone was planning on ordering nuggets anyway, so I'm like, okay, well, this will make it easy. I'll just order that. And then I ordered, and unfortunately it was hoisted on my own petard. Because immediately then it turns, do you want any sauces? And I turn back to the group, and everyone begins in a cacophonous din. And um, Becky said honey, 
And then I thought, okay, honey mustard, right? Like a normal person. That's a reasonable and, you know, yes, like a human being who actually enjoys the taste of their chicken uh, parts, I should Your say. chicken sludge. Yeah. And uh, so I ordered honey mustard and barbecue. And then Both. Sam immediately begins to scream at me with Becky, no, it's honey. We need to get honey. And they both proceeded to yell like honey ten fucking for seconds. at least 30 oh. seconds. <laughs> it felt like a lifetime. So I turn around, not into the car, mind you. I turn to look at Sam, who's sitting behind me as I'm in the driver's seat. And I say, would you shut your cock-sucking <laughs> mouth so I can order this? At which point, the monitor for the McDonald's went dead. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> And I'm fairly certain, as John and I would both, I'm fairly, yeah, John will attest, I think they were all just cackling, laughing at the fact that I had to regulate on the drunk cunts in the yes, car. very and, much so. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a real awkward exchange with the folks that were giving us the food when we got up to the window. Anywho, John, please continue. Oh no, that was that was basically that was basically the gist of the story. Well, you said Becky can't. Oh, hang, Becky can't hang so. because that food ended up fucking up her stomach. Um, like her, she was, she was haggard for two days straight, whether it was a hangover or just, I think her exact verbiage was, uh, I haven't had anything green in, in 24 hours and I feel like I'm going to fucking die. Uh, like we got into the car after, uh, after getting back to your house and she was like, I do not feel good. And I was like, well, yeah, you drank a lot. And she goes, no, like, like that food just is not selling. I was like, oh, and, and then again, Buster Scruggs has been our chorus lately. It's like, huh? First time. <laughs> First time, yep. Welcome to being a musician. Yeah, and then I proceeded to eat just like dog shit this entire rest of the week to the point where Michael did bring a hungry Howie's pizza today, yeah. a big sausage. I'm very pizza. upset. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, the shit you put on it, it would make it you know inedible. So I'm I'm glad you all enjoyed it. Oh, we didn't even eat any of it. It's, oh, we just have it here. It's just, yeah. it's just part of the ambiance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should have just put it on well, a... Save me a slice. I'll I be there. I still have my, my keyboard stand. I should have just brought the keyboard stand and put the box right here so you could see it the entire time. And they made a name tag that says Shane. <laughs> <laughs> yep. This is what... Ha see, but, uh, you know, uh, the, the podcast was sponsored by Jimmy John's as well as Hungry Howie's this evening. All so right. So we're all good. It's fine. Oh, but and over on this uh, side, we have... Coffee adding to our ambiance, or specifically Ooh. my ambiance. I like it. I have a work coffee pot, John. That's how dedicated I am. <laughs> I'm cutting in my office. I'm cutting back, and you're ramping up. I love it. So, uh, since the other two hosts of the podcast never get to speak, oh well, I was going to say, speaking of fast food, um, I had I posted something on the chat a couple days ago, a very stupid question, and uh, I wanted to ask this on air. So, everyone knows what Dark Souls is, right? The game? Yeah? Sure yeah. do. Yeah. All right. Cool. Not sure Steven's going to be weighing in on uh, that. But, what's a soul? Uh, that's, Ooh, well, well that's question. a deeper question I want to answer It's right something now, the but... priest sucks out of you. <laughs> or you suck Steven, into the Steven, have you found priest? God yet? <laughs> uh, I am God, and I found myself, so yeah. Indeed, the most great and wonderful pearl, as uh, oh, told gosh. to me by a great playwright. Oh, um, no. <laughs> We're not going to bring that up, are we? <laughs> Too late. So, Anywho, Michael, go on. Very quickly, Dark Souls is a video game, obviously, and it is known for being very difficult, um, where there's a whole culture of gamers that say, like, get good. You should be good at this game. You should, even if... It, 
you can't suck. You have to be able to be good at it. But anyway, mm-hmm. so that kind of spawned a meme of well, this new game is the Dark Souls of this genre or this genre. Like this new game is the Dark Souls of speed racing or something like that. So I thought, what is the Dark Souls of fast food? And I just wanted to ask that on air. I have a uh, I have a hot take for you. Mike. Ooh, okay. Uh this is only going to make sense to me and all of the other introverts out there. To me, the Dark Souls of fast food is Dutch Brothers. <gasps> Ooh, okay. True. Fuck. Oh my god. Because I am forced to both be sociable and <laughs> state my present sugary and caffeinated vices to a very attractive either male or female who are in their mid twenties and just screaming at me out of a window. Hi, welcome to Dutch Bros. What's your blood type? What's your sign? <laughs> I'm halfway in your. Does car. your mother love you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I actively have to like make up the most bizarre and ludicrous answers to their questions just to get them to stop talking to me. I've just started to try to make it as awkward as possible. Like, what are you doing today? Oh, disposing of the bodies they found over on the Interstate 12. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like that video uh, I showed Courtney. I think I showed you, or I showed all you guys last week um, with the the raccoon. It's like, it's like if we were to cut this raccoon open, how many fingers would he find inside? <laughs> not pretty much i got two figures for him yeah <laughs> yeah i'm a slut pretty much <laughs> so there that was the only thing i could come up with that is uh, difficult for me to just exist on the planet uh that dutch brothers to me dark Souls i was gonna say like a tilio bertos okay <laughs> like not a filibertos no. but any of that the would be Bertos. that would be the yarnum of uh <laughs> your fast food my friend like hard in the way of like it's hard to eat or it's hard to be alive after you finish it yeah you can't digest it for becky it's mcdonald's apparently yeah or uh los los faves down the street but actually they're they're dope i like them yeah yeah i like los faves yeah well, furthermore, to like show how you and I gamed up the system, though, John, is that she was reeling from that. You and I ate like a macaroni and cheese that had pulled pork on top of and it, it was and cold. then we ate McDonald's. Oh. Yeah, so yeah, we just devastated our intestinal tract. Oh, I expected that entire night. I fully expected the next day to be in a lot of pain, but I woke up. I was like, "Huh, it's a beautiful day." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was waiting to ship my soul out of my body, and it didn't happen. So. Uh, you and I survived. still here. Yeah. If anything, getting back to it, baby. If anything, it's like staring your stomach. Like just, it's like who blinks first. <laughs> it's like I'm going to. I'm brute, not stopping. I'm going to brute fuck you into complying. I'm chicken with my body. <laughs> Steven, what do you think? Uh, as Shane and I were discussing earlier, I'm not a connoisseur of fast foods, and oh, I think don't eat out much. <laughs> no, I am okay. uh, very well. He's popular with the ladies, and I try to avoid all social interactions whenever possible. What do you do for fun? Uh not a lot. Say some. <laughs> uh, I I watch movies. I just recently got into doing drawing and artwork, so that takes up a significant portion of my free time. I've seen some of your work. Amazing. Yes. I like. Well, thank lot. you. It's appreciated. You're welcome. Uh, but I, uh, I read lots of audiobooks. Um, I do lots of different podcasts and that kind of stuff. So yeah, cool. What is your current favorite movie? Because it seems like you are not Michael, and you actually will have an answer to this question. <laughs> True. Uh, 
Strangely enough, though, uh, since I, you, I'll give you a moment to, to vamp on that, Stephen. Stephen has not been exposed to a great deal of movies because he lived in a very repressive Christian household. Hey, that is accurate. So, uh, he's got <laughs> okay. to catch up with a lot of stuff. So he is very similar to Michael in that he won't have seen many things you would have expected him to see. That's fair, though. But I, I find that really exciting, though, because there's a lot of movies and games and TV shows, etc., that I wish that I could experience for the first time. And the only real way that you can experience them for the the first time is to have somebody in your life that gets to experience it for the first time mm-hmm. to have been cucked by god yeah one of my uh kind of go-to favorite movies for a long time has been uh, american beauty but of course with the really kevin spacey before, stuff, before yeah before he's a monster less yeah. so interesting but yeah that's one of my favorites generally um i like most of christopher nolan's stuff so awesome. i'll say inception in, is pretty high up on my list um you're still a Back to the Future kid. Oh, yes, uh, yes. Back to the Future is definitely one of my all-time favorite movies. A Jurassic Park would be in there as well. Mm-hmm. What was a... Uh, I, I, I'm not trying to turn this into the interview of Steven, but... <laughs> yes, um, you are. I kind of am. I just I want to get to know the guy that, that listens yeah. to our voices so much. Um, yeah, why are you like this? Why do you, why do you keep coming back? Yeah, <laughs> well, yourself. I mean, he has to get You paid, heard about his upbringing. So he's listening yeah. to oh, me fair. through a Yes, that's the real reason. <laughs> Um, what was, what was a movie or a a piece of media when you were growing up in the household you were raised in that your parents were like, no, like what, what was strictly forbidden? Like, is there like one in your memory? Like for me, I remember, uh, like my, my parents finding a burnt copy of Nirvana's Nevermind and my dad losing his fucking mind because of Kurt Cobain killing himself, allegedly. Trigger warning. (laughs) I... I was indoctrinated and brainwashed at a very, very young age, and a lot, I don't have, my parents raised me in such a way that I was self-policing myself, and I could tell something my parents would not approve of, so I would purposely not seek those things out and try to watch them and expose myself to them. The only one that I really have a distinct memory, a couple that I have a distinct memory of, is Star Wars. I what? got really into the Star Wars books and things, and I really wanted to watch Star Wars, and this is when I was like 10 years old, and my parents were like, no, you're not allowed to watch Star Wars until you're 16, because they're too violent and scary and stuff. But eventually, my brother and I convinced them to let us watch them probably when we were 12, and we managed to see Revenge of the Sith in theaters when it came out. So that nice. was an exciting turn of events. But also Jurassic Park was another one that they were like, no, you'll hate dinosaurs. You guys love dinosaurs as a kid. But if you watch Jurassic Park, you'll be so scared that you'll never like them anymore. And it's one of my favorite movies now. So, Did you like my Jurassic Park updates when I did them? Or are you familiar with that Twitter account? God, he's always fishing for compliments. I really am. <laughs> I mean, some of them were good, but... Anyway, you were saying, you were saying Courtney? Oh. Don't patronize wait, were you, him. Were you allowed to read Harry Potter? No, I did not read Harry Potter <laughs> until I was 18. Beautiful. And my girlfriend at the time was a big fan of Harry Potter and was saying, you have to read this book. So I was like, okay, sure, I'll read it. I'm an adult now. I can do what I want. My parents will just have to deal with it. So I read it and I was like, yeah, fun book. Did you send cool. a picture of yourself holding the first book and the middle finger up and like send it to your parents? <laughs> no, I did not. You can't tell me what to do now. He would have caught on a fire. That's not allowed, John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, this makes me just think of like that picture with the caption of him going, the wand chooses the wizard, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so uh, 
prayers and miracles must have been really fun for you then. Oh yes, yes. Uh, he's the one who recommended it, as I recall. Yes, he okay. was. Yeah, another YouTuber I was following did a brief synopsis of the series, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is hysterical. And I recommended it to Shane. Say, hey, you should do the full reading of this, as opposed to just a summary. And yeah, it's it hits all the right points of that whole subculture. <laughs> it really does. Ah, <laughs> uh, proud housewife. <laughs> well, thank you, Stephen. I am really happy that you're here. It's good to actually see the face and the and hear the voice. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. It is an experience, I will say. <laughs> I'm also gonna, I'm just going to throw this on the just... record real quick. He does sound exactly like Jonah, right? Stephen has the same voice. Huh? Huh? I'm going to patently disagree with that. <laughs> it's not a it's not a, you know, a, a bad thing. It's doing the, all the right things for me. <laughs> Oh, that's why you're saying that. Okay, okay. Uh, Stephen is single, so I mean, this is... Turn your camera uh, off, Stephen. You don't want to get involved with this. Got a case of the vapors. (laughs) (laughs) He does have that top button undone, so I mean, we're... uh, I am coming undone. (laughs) And speaking of coming undone, so is the general theme of this podcast, and allow me to unravel it for you. So for the listeners out there who are blissfully unaware, and since Steven is here, that makes most of you, uh, we will occasionally delve into a random esoteric topic, and in the course of explaining it to one another, we will leaven in the occasional lie just to make the show vibrant and entertaining, and hopefully it works, depending upon your circumstances and your perspective. This week, we are in the midst of an ongoing saga that is brought to us by the king of Harlan, Kentucky, Colonel Harlan Sanders. It's Corbin, Kentucky. I misspoke. My brain just transferred in the wrong place. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Is everybody still, uh, you know, full bore on... uh, Oh, yeah. The life and crimes of Colonel Sanders going forward. uh, Oh, I'm on a roll with this one. I love it. Okay, well, depending upon how this evening goes, there's probably going to be a part four. I hate to break it to you because there's still so much material. We are now the disinformed Sanders cast. (laughs) It's we're getting there because this man is I'm not kidding. He's a bloody onion. Have you reached out to Uh, KFC to see if you can get this episode sponsored by them? Well, I'm... well, wait until we get to episode four, because I don't think they're going to approve. <laughs> I don't think they're ready for our listenership. <laughs> We're too big for them. We're already devoted to Taco Bell, so I mean, it's kind of a natural transition. How does a man approach the famous bowl? <laughs> I mean, with a spork. And sadness. <laughs> Indeed. Well, uh, I will tell you that I am supremely excited because this evening I told Stephen I get to introduce you all to a slew of Southern idioms that I was not heretofore familiar with. And uh, it's it's going to make you one in particular that I stumbled across from uh, good old Colonel Sanders that I love is he's so stupid he couldn't pour piss out of a boot with instructions written on the heel. <laughs> okay. So we're about to get real interesting. So for this uh, third installment with Colonel Sanders, I have seven lies for you folks. So, And uh, we're going to get Stephen in a full baptism by fire for the second time in his life. It'll be a good uh, experience for all involved. So is everybody ready? Give it to me. Well, when we last left Harlan Sanders, our hero had been operating under the abiding belief that his North Corbin restaurant would remain successful indefinitely 
In keeping with his luck prior to this point, it appears he was yet again walking on the eggshells of prematurely hatched plans. Because in what amounted to the largest public works project America had ever seen, President Dwight Eisenhower signed the National Interstate and Defense Highways Act, authorizing the expenditure of $25 billion to construct over 40,000 miles of the interstate highway system in 1956. Subsequently, the Sanders Hotel and Restaurant Complex had already begun to struggle to sustain business. The Kentucky government had relocated a key junction on Route 25, and Sanders' location was no longer as convenient for travelers to visit. The colonel discovered he was in dire straits when the newspaper published surveyed routes for the newly designated birthing canals of American commerce, freeways. Interstate 75 in Kentucky would replace Route 25 as the local egress and furthermore would pass seven miles outside of Corbin. With the irrecoverable loss of income from passersby, Sanders sold the property for cents on the dollar. Cresting gently towards 70, as I believe he was 65 at this point, uh, our foul-mouthed foul fricasseer <laughs> was destitute yet again. With little income outside the few franchise fees and his $105 monthly social security check. Yipes. Big spender. So, so this a very, man is... very late bloomer. Indeed, and he has just been perpetually beaten about the head and shoulders by fate his entire life, and it's not changing now. But he does have a uh, lovely mistress that he can continue to maintain as his wife from this point forward. Bertha. Well, that is that his was... pressure cooker, but... I thought that was the donkey. <laughs> no, I don't think the donkey had was... a name. It's called John. Oh. It me. He slides in and out. <laughs> <laughs> So, refusing to resign himself to despondency, he is quite a resolute asshole, as John would like to point out. Tip-to-tail piece of shit. Indeed. Sanders began aggressively courting chicken franchisees through dedicated efforts, traveling the U.S. looking for agreeable restaurants to partner with. Having closed his North Corbin site, Harland and Claudia opened a new restaurant and company headquarters, in Shelbyville in 1959. Often resigned to sleeping in the back of his trusty Oldsmobile, Sanders visited restaurants, offered to cook his famous chicken, and negotiated franchise rights with amenable restaurateurs. His pitch process was brilliantly refined, and he employed his southern charm to devastating effect. He brought with him everything he needed to demonstrate his process— a clutch of chickens from a local farm, cake flour, his newly patented pressure cookers. Sanders obtained a patent in 1962, subsequently trademarking the phrase, it's finger licking good, in 1963. So, mm, hooray for that. Is that bullshit? It is not. Oh. That uh, was one of the few ideas he came up with on his own, apparently. <laughs> Yay! And then a box of premixed spices vegetable oil, and fire extinguishers. <laughs> Very important when you got to old Bertha on the rounds with you. But were they grease fire extinguishers or regular ones? <laughs> you know, I don't think they'd made those class distinctions back in the 60s, but what are you going to do? It's not going to end well. Uh, yeah, certainly not. You could try to pee on it, I suppose. 
Uh, He then fried his chicken for the staff at the receptive restaurants, and if they consented, he would then cook a quantity for their customers as well. He would then stroll through the restaurant, inquiring how diners were enjoying their meals, decked out in full regalia he'd come to be famed for. His silver goatee, black string tie, cane, and a pristine white suit hearkening back to his days riding the rails. The work was considerably taxing on the almost 70-year-old Sanders, causing considerable cantankerousness, as you would expect. He has such a pleasant disposition normally anyway, you can't imagine being on the road all the time would make that a problem, right? What's a grouchy Sanders to do? Well, let me tell you. One unknown morning in some unknown town, I like that this is, I I have to give credit, I got this from a gentleman who apparently also recorded a lot of these stories for another podcast, but uh, it came out in like 2016, but it's uh, linked as a source in the show notes in the previous two episodes and as this one, so you can go and I give a lot of credit because the research is brilliant and I stole and kind of rewrote a lot of it, but uh, this is fantastic. So... He and Claudia stopped at a diner in this nameless town for some breakfast. When the waitress set the colonel's plate before him, he blanched at the flaccid, undercooked eggs he had been proffered. Miss, he said, I was never drunk enough to eat eggs raw as that, and I asked that they be turned over. That's right, you did, she said. I'll take them right back. She was gone for a few moments, and then returned with the plate. The eggs indeed looked more thoroughly cooked, though the colonel reckoned this to be a physical impossibility, given the amount of time that had elapsed. Flipping the eggs over, he confirmed his suspicion. One side was still untouched by the grill. The cook had merely flipped them over on the plate. Bullshit. Not bullshit. Oh, no. I love that. In the kitchen, the cook was sitting on a table smoking a cigarette when the double-swinging doors burst open to reveal a curiously dressed man. The intruder was wearing a white linen suit, black string tie, and a silver goatee. He had a breakfast plate in hand. You simple son of a bitch, Sanders said. Are you so goddamn bumfuzzled that you missed the griddle on both attempts? Don't call me a son of a bitch, the cook said, standing up from the table. Oh, you'll think you're just smart flipping these eggs over on my plate, Sanders insisted. Get out of my kitchen, the chef replied. You ain't allowed in here. You shouldn't be allowed in here either, Sanders continued. (laughs) As a cook, you're as confused as a fart in a fan factory. (laughs) I said get, screamed the cook. I'll do just that, Sanders said. Tipping the, plate, uh, tipping the eggs from his plate into his upturned palm. And leave your eggs with you. Harlan then cocked his arm and projected his breakfast at the Lazy Line Cook like multiple migs whipping knuckle children at Clary Starling. Oh, Jesus. Am I You're the welcome. only one? Probably. Huh? Okay. That was a All quality right, joke that no one appreciated as they should have. This is me being exposed to Kissel, I guess. I'm just going to start making these bad references throughout the I show. Like it. So you're welcome. I'm staying on my toes. The eggs sailed across the vast expanse, eventually erupting in an explosion of yolk at the center of the chef's chest. 
Back in the dining room, the patrons were startled as the kitchen doors burst outward, birthing Sanders back into the restaurant proper, holding a small stool like a fucking lion tamer. (laughs) He was abruptly followed by the emerging chef, apoplectically menacing Harland with a sizable kitchen knife. Sanders began to disgorge a cornucopia of vulgarities relating to supernatural deities, bodily excretions, uh... Procreation and the possible relation of the assailant's parents. <laughs> Suspending his profane tirade momentarily to apologize to a pair of diners who were taken aback by the spectacle. I'm so sorry you midst- had to see that buffoonery. Indeed, it's like, I love the in protecting his life. It's like, you motherfucking cocksucker. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is not directed at you, I assure. Indeed. All right. So the grill man eventually gave up his attack and returned to the kitchen, having accomplished his intended intimidation. The colonel soon returned his stool to the floor, and with he and Claudia deciding they probably ought to take their dining business elsewhere. But not without one final volley from the Kentucky's reigning king of profanities, Chicken Lips. Who licked the pink off your dick, you blundering tree stump? That is fake. That is, you're right. Uh, the actual, uh, now a southern idiom is who licked the red off your candy. Oh. So I adapted it to suit my own ends. But, someone, uh, uh, sorry, it reminds me of something that someone said to me yesterday at work. Uh, they came up to order a drink and I asked what size because we do four ounce, eight ounce or a pint. Um, and I was like, the biggest size I think was an eight ounce. I was like, do you want a four ounce or an eight ounce? And he goes, what do you think I'm here to do? Lick stamps? (laughs) (laughs) He sounds like fun. He was a Chad. Oh, I yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's like, eight ounce, please. He's like, I learned it when I was in Australia. Drinking or the expression? (laughs) How to lick stamps? Like, that's what I'm thinking. I don't know how to not curse. I guess. (laughs) That's what you do when you go to Australia. You curb your cursing enthusiasm. Boo. (sighs) Well, thank you. And there you go, John. You got your one for the evening. Thank you. Despite the slow initial progress in signing up franchisees, interest in Kentucky Fried Chicken began to improve in the late 50s and early 60s. Word had gotten out on these O'Neaters. Uh, sorry. Uh, word had gotten out regarding Pete Harmon's success, the gentleman from Utah, as you will recall. And by then, he was doing brisk business at multiple locations. Colonel Sanders' company had also launched a number of innovative carryout locations, which omitted the dining area. The food was packed into boxes and buckets so consumers could take it for home dinner, and the concept was proving popular. The colonel's meticulously anachronistic attire and twinkle-eyed charm helped him gain a foothold via organic marketing. He began to visit local radio stations to tell his story, and occasionally he appeared on television talk shows and the occasional Christian Revival Circuit, orchestrated (laughs) via the contacts he made at the aforementioned Australian Cursing Convention. His face... And signature string tie were appearing on increasingly numerous signs and food packages, and people began to recognize him in public. Like, who is this ornery asshole? (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) I never liked the idea of using my photograph on things, he wrote in his autobiography. I had always referred to my face as my mug, but I did have a line drawn made for use in advertising, and when I saw it on the boxes containing my food, I nearly fainted. 
By 1962, there were hundreds of restaurants in North America sending fees to the 72-year-old Sanders, most of the deals sealed with a handshake and maintained on the honor system. Is that for bullshit? That is not bullshit. Wow. For the man who had his concept initially created by someone else <laughs> and uh, simply pressured him into uh, you know, signing that puppy over, the franchise applicants eventually became so numerous that Sanders no longer had to make any sojourns to meet them. Rather, he cordially summoned them to his estate in Shelbyville, Kentucky, while Claudia sustained business by mixing and shipping spices to their array of partnered restaurants. Not a bad gig okay. if you can get it. I mean, I ship those spices all the time. Indeed. She was a spicy lady, that Claudia. Ooh, oh, hey, you have a, a Shane Weiser. I cracked it open while you were talking about eight ounces. Right on. It is a grape Waterloo for those of you playing the home game. Mm. It's tasty. I also have a coffee and a water here next to me as well, if you want to just dredge you, up all of my lubrication. You dog, you. Indeed. I'm a three-fisted drinker. And a catheter under the table. <laughs> no, I'm just peeing on my shoes. <laughs> hey, I have to oh, record Michael, in that room thought... tomorrow. You better not. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I thought you were going to you know, show us your signature wit. Huh? Catheter. Damn near killed her. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you Speaking so of jokes that are old, in October of 1963, a 29-year-old lawyer named John Y. Brown Jr. began to attempt to persuade Shotgun Sanders to part with his owning stake in his company. Brown had been working with Sanders as an upstart franchisee, but had his eyes on a more significant prize. Brown saw the brilliance in expanding upon a company that was making over $300,000 per year with a staff of 17. Holy Ooh. cow. While Harland wasn't overly fond of paid advertising, Brown felt there was a fortune to be had by instituting an aggressive sales campaign. He convinced the colonel to join him in a meeting with Jack Massey, a businessman from Nashville. Colonel, Massey said, you're 74 years old. You've developed a wonderful product in Kentucky Fried Chicken, and you've worked hard doing it. But now is the time for you to relax. Relaxing, as evidenced by the man's frenetic franchising stratagem <laughs> and life proceeding to this point, was not among the colonel's proclivities. A man will rust out quicker than he'll wear out, is a noted Sanders credo. Huh. Makes sense. Indeed. Not to be dissuaded, Brown and Massey buttered the colonel like one of his famed biscuits, eventually convincing him to meet with Pete Harmon and some other longtime trusted franchisees to see how they felt about Sanders selling the company. To Harlan's surprise, they recommended he sell. This may have had something to do with the 25,000 shares of stock that Brown and Massey had offered each of these franchisees, <laughs> along with seats on the board of directors. In a meeting that dragged until 2 o'clock in the morning, Sanders finally caved to a provisional deal. He would sell the company for $2 million and proceed to collect a $40,000 annual salary to remain as the quality controller and goodwill ambassador for the company. The agreement excluded a few regions that had already been promised to friends and family, including the fabled Canadas, which Sanders wanted to keep for himself. 
Sanders would later say that he had asked about getting some stock as part of the deal, but the buyers advised against it for tax reasons. Also, like, he elected to trust will. them. <laughs> the guy who's just causing ruckuses everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, just working on handshake deals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently you can see what is on the horizon for our dear friend, the Colonel. Yeah, Nothing bad could this? possibly happen. Um, This was 63. Okay. So we're, we're clutching into to 64 on the verge. It was October. So despite considerable consternation, Sanders signed the sales agreement and collected the first $500,000 installment from Massey and entrusted his life's work with the city slickers. Sanders would hold the company's stock as collateral until the full $2 million was paid. He settled into the role of spork- spokesperson, ra- or sporksperson, if you've ever enjoyed <laughs> their gravy, uh, rather than the decision-maker, taking comfort in the new owner's reassurances that they wouldn't compromise on the quality of the business or the product. Sure. And sure. then... <laughs> and then they compromised. Bummer. And then the cannibalism started. <sighs> That's when the cannibalism started? Sneaking human Indeed. fingers into the chicken nuggets? How many fingers are in that raccoon? It's an otter. Is it an otter? Yes. <laughs> well, the shoes on the otter foot right now. In 1965, Sanders moved to Mississauga, Ontario to oversee his Canadian franchises and continued to collect franchise and appearance fees both in Canada and in the U.S. Is the name of that town bullshit? It is not. Okay. I just uh, can't pronounce it properly, but yeah, it's uh, uh, Mississauga, like Mississippi, but with an ooga. Aruga! Okay, moving on. So, Stephen with his first stab of the podcast. I'm, I'm very tickled. Well done, friend. Oh, I have a couple that He's... passed us up, but I'll, I'll bring them back around at the end. Oh, no, just oh, do it now. I mean, Ooh, please speak it. on oh. it. Go for it. Um... You mentioned he was sleeping in the back of his car when he was taking these trips? When he was in mm-hmm. his 60s? Is that bullshit? That is not. He and his wife both did it occasionally. Oh, my God. But, yes, he just cruised around and slept in the back of his Oldsmobile. Okay. They were simpler times. I suppose so. And hopefully it's a very large Oldsmobile. <laughs> well, when you're trying to save money, he was also doing this with clutches of chickens, <laughs> I'll remind you. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a very entertaining time. Yeah, yes, indeed. All right. Uh, anything else there? Uh, there was Super another one, but it has since slipped my mind. I'll, I'll let you know if it comes okay. back. Was he actually um, on like the evangelical circuit? Was that a thing? Or did you just throw that in there? Wow, something really weird happened to y'all's configuration, because you now sound like aliens. So, anywho, I'll, I'll continue, and... Uh, well, uh, we'll just uh, soldier on. But Courtney, you asked me whether or not it was bullshit that he did the evangelical circuit. And uh, it is, but wait, there's more. It gets uh, even more entertaining. So there's a reason that that was included as a lie. But we'll get there. Oh, okay. I remember what the other one was. The bucket mm-hmm. meals. You talked about that last episode. Was that? Mm-hmm. I thought that was when they first initiated it. But now you're saying it's uh, the gentleman shirt? created okay. it, 
Uh, well, the gentleman created it, but Sanders is the one who said that they removed the dining area and they were purely for pickup only. Okay. So he stole the bucket meal from uh, the other gentleman, but uh, he actually is the one who's just like, we don't need to have a seating area. We're just going to do a little setup mom and pop operation, basically just a kitchen, and people can come and collect it. So he's kind of the, the king of the drive through, as it were. Oh, so he was prepping for a pandemic. You would think. Pickup food on well, now you sound better. Ish. No. no. <laughs> you just need to whisper, apparently. Uh, okay. So, uh, he moved to Canada, as I mentioned, uh, and he bought and lived in a bungalow at 1337 Melton Drive in the Lakeview area of Mississauga from 1965 until his death in 1980. So I'm thinking because I was born in 81, I might be Sanders reincarnated. <gasps> it makes all the, all the sense. All it the does. Sense. Yes. I'm, I'm with it. But uh, in September of 1970, he and his wife were baptized in the Jordan River, owing to the colonel's connections to famed televangelists Billy Graham and Jerry Falwell, oh, no. whom he met during his various visits to tents on the revival circuit in the 1960s. And guess what? I, too, have been baptized in the Jordan River, so I have that in common with Colonel Sanders. Oh, look at you. But yes, he is actually close friends, uh, a close and personal friend with Billy Graham and Jerry Falwell. <laughs> oh, God. Fine, upstanding citizens. Indeed. <laughs> <sighs> so, as one would expect, compromises at the new Kentucky Fried Chicken Incorporation uh, began almost immediately. <laughs> Uh, the company, did I say the Kentucky Fried Incorporation or yep. did I you say sure Kentucky? Did. Okay, well, it's the Kentucky Fried Chicken Incorporated. So you're saying there are now eight Holy lies monkeys. in this episode? No, I'm just <laughs> a marble mouth goon from time to time. <laughs> yeah, this is why Steven is going to try presenting at oh, some gosh. point. Ooh, Steven. I, I do Steven. not endorse this message. <laughs> yes, you do. You want to talk about cryptids with us, I think. Uh, oh, that well, the, that was the general. That was an idea. And Christian cryptids on top cryptids. of it. Ooh, hoo, hoo. <gasps> mm -hmm. Ooh. I'm in. All right. So the company bought out many of the existing franchises, ordering the remaining owners to conform. Obey. <laughs> All franchisees were required to remove their own menu items, rename their restaurant Kentucky Fried Chicken, update their decor to the red and white striped corporate branding, and use signage and packaging featuring the Colonel's goateed grin. These developments would sorely test Sanders' adherence to the Christian tenet of forgiveness of trespasses. <laughs> <laughs> The new advertising campaign was indeed aggressive and financially very lucrative. Uh, the Colonel appeared personally in television commercials, as well as on the Johnny Carson show, Lawrence Welk, and other such talk show spots. Wherever you see a picture of this mug of mine, you know you're going to get good food, he would say. Or at least good chicken. Sanders was uneasy with the changes being made with the company, but he was paid to be a goodwill ambassador, so he spread goodwill. Was the end of that quote bullshit, or at least good chicken? Yeah. No, okay. not at all. What a guy. Indeed. 
Although the sales contract had set aside Canada as the colonel's own territory, legal minds in the new corporation soon realized that the wording left them a little wiggle room. So the contract granted the colonel exclusive rights to process chicken in Canada, but no restrictions on merchandising it. So as long as they pre-processed the chicken, they would legally sell it in the colonel's Canadian market. Damn. Wow. And by the way, you're back and sounding brilliant now, so... I don't know what happened. Thanks, I made it myself. (laughs) Indeed. At least good chicken. Uh, When the corporate officers later came to Sanders and asked him to hand over the collateral stock so the company could go public, he refused until they revised the sales contract to close that Canada loophole. In the meantime, he continued to spread goodwill on television, very likely through clenched teeth. Or hen's teeth, if you will. Jack Massey, the original $2 million investor who controlled 60% of the company stock at the time, ordered the headquarters moved out of Colonel Sanders' expansive estate in Shelbyville to a new building in Tennessee. This ain't no goddamn Tennessee fried chicken, the colonel protested, (laughs) no matter what some slick silk-suited son of a bitch says. But seeing as Sanders had sold his company to the slick, silk-suited sons of bitches in question, harsh language was about the only legal recourse he had available. Was that quote of his bullshit? No, it was not. He literally said, it's not called Tennessee Fried Chicken. It's not Tennessee Fried Chicken. Wow. Okay. Uh, He's he's, uh, infinitely quotable, my friend. And that is what I have for part three, because part four involves the booze battles. Oh, and a discussion about our good friends in Japan and their love and adoration for the colonel and how it started. So is part four the conclusion? Part four would be the conclusion. I mean, you said part three would be the conclusion last week, but I mean, if you want me to go on for another hour, I am happy to continue (laughs) talking. But we need we need to to keep it digestible, I think. That That was my fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited, and I feel like this is the longest, uh, you know, continuous like continuous series that we we've had. Well, I mean, we've had like nine flat Earth episodes, right? Uh, there <laughs> were, it felt no. like nine. Ouch. <laughs> Man, so I think what we got, I got one. Steven, you got one. I don't right? think I got no, one. We, no, we didn't. I no, got a lot. No, of we had three. <laughs> oh, uh, Courtney got two. You oh, got one, Mister Watkins. Go. So, well, any other additional stabs or volleys? Yeah, I'm Michael. Michael. Show up to this podcast. Hello, I am here, and I'm Michael, and uh, I don't that understand is, how this podcast works. When we start marketing, uh, <laughs> once we move past the buttons, actually, I'll make a button that says "And I'm Michael," and we'll just hand that out to everybody. <gasps> That's amazing, beautiful, uh, and then raw. It's a living that no, will have to be another. Just make it make it be a parrot that has Michael's head. And then the thought or the speech bubble say it's a living. Okay, I can do that. And then we have the uh, Stephen has the picture of Michael as a uh, a frog, so a hack he and is a, frog. a frog and a liar. I love that so much. Yeah. A liar and a frog. Well, uh, any other uh, stabs, Michael? You got anything? No. Right. I'm, I'm checking in for the first time here, apparently. Good, good talk, Michael. Um, the you. guy that <sighs> owned 60% of the stock, is the percentage incorrect? It is not. Okay. 
All right. I got nothing. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, then we'll dive in with Shane's seven lies. I think I, I may have, uh, you know, prepped everybody for this, but, uh, Lie number one is that he did not travel around with a clutch of chickens from local farms. He actually just had an icebox full of chicken in the back of the car, because uh, who wants to actually slaughter these things on site? Oh, that's fair, I guess. There is, like, hygiene. I thought he just wanted pillows for when he was sleeping in the back. I mean, so he I did need he something to fuck other than Claudia. I mean, how else is a 70-year-old man supposed to get woken up in the morning until the rooster crows? So yeah, he dirty. probably didn't believe in alarm clocks. <laughs> or alarm cocks. <laughs> Thank you. Going to get some dirty cock-on-cock action with the colonel here. And that's how the Extra Crispy originally started. Ooh-wee. So, number two is uh, he did not uh, call the gentleman a simple son of a bitch when the eggs were returned undercooked. And he did not say, are you so goddamn bum-fuzzled that you missed the griddle on both attempts? That is a purely Shane made-up quote. Fair. Uh, as well as uh, the chef telling him, you ain't allowed in here for the kitchen. And the retort, you shouldn't be either. As a cook, you're as confused as a fart in a fan factory. That is uh, all Aww. made up by Shane. Well, you just very sneakily. factory a lot. Yeah. <laughs> very sneakily, you capped it all together at the beginning when you said, oh, there's a bunch of interesting southern slang that I've never heard before. I see what you're doing. I've taken to lying pre-roll as well, so that we can, you know, really get into I mean, it's, it. It's the name of the game, you know. It is. That's it's, uh, uh, it's how you get the liquid cheese on your pizza. <laughs> indeed. True so that. that gets us through four lies. Um, John got the uh, lie number five of the "Who licked the pink off your dick, you blundering tree stump?" That is uh, not a genuine. <laughs> See, Sanders that one quote. sounds authentically shameful. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be as confused as a fart in a fan factory. I, I don't know. I could see Sanders saying that. So could I. I could also see him asking who licked the pink off your dick, but, you know, that's me. Uh, so he did not visit uh, the occasional Christian revival, uh, contrary to what may be believed. Uh, so that Courtney is the say, other. Say that? Yeah, that's that's the one oh, she oh, caught. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the I'm other here, one that she was And in. I'm Michael. Sweet <laughs> Jesus. Okay. And then uh, number seven is uh, that uh, he did not meet Billy Graham and Jerry Falwell at Ooh. those various things, but he was a friend to uh, Billy Graham and Jerry Falwell. So technically, we can give uh, Courtney a twofer for catching the initial one. Okay. But uh, they do lend to one another. Everything else included on this glorious episode is all actual fact, at least according to the sources that I discovered. Wow. Huh. Indeed. I had no idea that there would be so much to, to Sanders. Uh, you're not alone, my friend. But uh, because I, I honestly, the food that built America, as I said, only barely scrapes the scab off of Colonel Sanders. And really, the only thing they get into is that uh, the the shooting incident and him creating the pressure cooker, uh, you know, chicken recipe, essentially, and refining everything. Everything else, they kind of left the imagination. So I was very pleased when I turned this stone over and found a very foul-mouthed Southern dandy. Foul-mouthed. That was the point. Thank you. There we go. Yeehaw. Well, uh, yeehaw juice has been spread around, and it uh, comes complete with your KFC meal these days. So hope you're enjoying. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, can we have a French chicken party as the the wrap party for this? I series? am so oh, down yeah. <laughs> for that. Please, let's do next week. Yeah. Sign me up. I'm ready. I'm fucking here. I, I live here. Ready. <laughs> <I'm> here. <laughs> I live here. <laughs> 
Also, this doesn't need to go on air, but we don't always have to do it here. I just feel like this is kind of central for Michael. And she, like this is actually for the first time ever doing something creative. This is a middle point, but I am I I can take this shit anywhere. So I I'm happy to to hang out wherever you guys want to hang out. Yeah, that was uh, John's uh, initial line on his Tinder profile. It got Becky snared too. <laughs> no, actually the the line on my Tinder profile that got Becky was I'm the kind of atheist that's not an asshole about it. Oh, you I mentioned you were this. Say, oh, yeah. You can uh, get up in the tubes of you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell well, you that later tonight. Uh-huh. Ooh. Get up in them guts. Just like Colonel <laughs> like Sanders the, on a chicken. I like the tubes on you, is what I'm going to say. <laughs> Indeed. And who uh, probes in a pineapple under titties, Becky's hot pants. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Sorry, God. Um. <laughs> Ladies and germaphobes, thank you, as always, for joining us for another spiritually stirring edition of the Disinformed Podcast, and we are um, at least 30% more Christian this week, uh, which is uh, you know, very impressive, just by Colonel Sanders' inclusion, I think. It's, yeah. Uh, that man and, loved him some God. And actually, we were 43% Michael today, too. <gasps> yeah, we don't huh? call it Mush Mouse, we just call it Michael Mouth. Huh? <laughs> yep. Oh, Thank you, Michael. Exactly. Huh? Well, in case you folks were blissfully unaware, we have got some social networks that you need to avoid at all costs. So, for instance, if you're sharing uh, interesting pictures with your mom and uncle on Facebook, you should definitely stray far from facebook.com slash disinformedpodcast. If you're over on the Instagrams, Courtney is still diligently creating content for you foul little fucks out there, and you are not loving it. And I am very upset at this, so you need to go and support her. At least for her. She's the one decent one amongst us. <laughs> and you know what? If you go, if you, you should check out the Instagram because she is posting like legitimate things and trying to make it look like we care. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's a, it's a goddamn shame that you're not, uh, not interacting with her hard work. Indeed, and now she's just being spammed by people running like, you know, fake radio profiles, which is really I, disgusting. I tried for one day to, uh, to go through and respond, no. See, I, I did see did those. That. I was, was very so tickled. <laughs> and it's it's lowercase, so it means like I'm not really even like I'm, mm-hmm. you don't even yep. warrant capitalization. Yep, I can't know. be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Furthermore, if you are uh, keen on seeing Twitter fare that is not as entertaining as John or Courtney's, <laughs> you can find us there at Disinformed Pod. And there is an individual also on here who does have a Twitter that we are not going to name, but uh, he he follows our accounts, from my understanding. <laughs> Whoa! What? Stephen, do you follow me on Twitter? I don't believe I do. He follows me because I'm the best. Yes, it is true. Uh, true. There's no argument. <laughs> it is that. known. Well, it is known. known. I can't Indeed. compete with uh, with her feed. Her feed is uh, fuego. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, particularly when it uh, calls me on the carpet for liking curvaceous women. I'm sorry. Excuse the hell the out of me. The heart wants what the heart wants. What, did you want me to sexualize Michael? Like, come on. Oh, we were no trying to normalize that. that for a second. <laughs> no, but then I we like, realized. Yeah, yeah, but then then we saw his thigh meet. We immediately regretted that decision. Yep, that's what you yeah. get. Hey, what John, did you the... say in the message today when I asked if you were going to wear pants? Oh, yeah, I said, fuck, I can't be no, contained. I cannot be contained. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, the heart wants what the heart wants, particularly if it is heart disease. So, <laughs> bring me some we are also... <laughs> do love me some empty calories. We are also on the glorious tubes of you. You're welcome, Becky. 
every Wednesday and Friday still for the foreseeable future because we've got some interesting fodder for the After Dark this week. And so you can find us there on Wednesdays and Fridays with fan fiction and After Dark nonsense at 10 a.m. Mountain Time if you want to keep catching up with us and just get content flung at your face, neck, and chest as though it were Colonel Sanders with a backhand egg toss. Hot. And I believe that is going to wrap it up in a rascally wrap that we will then place firmly on the top of a chicken's back for this week for the Disinformed Podcast. I am Colonel Shane Hunt. <laughs> I'm just John. You could be General John. I mean, we'll just slide down the rank. I'm, Fuck it, we'll do it live. <laughs> I'm, I'm Shane. I am Colonel John. I am Colonel Mike. I'm Courtney. We can't all be colonels. Some of us have to be nibs. I'm double colonel. <laughs> I'm Private Mike. <laughs> if only. <laughs> I'm Sergeant Steven. Well played. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for being here, and as per usual, I am happy to bid you so long and good night. Lick the pink off your dick. <laughs> <laughs>